Welcome back to the 10 Blocks podcast. This is Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. Joining me on the show today is Kay Heimwitz. Kay is the William E. Simon Fellow at the Manhattan Institute and a longtime contributing editor at City Journal. Her latest piece in the magazine, Trading Up, looks at a remarkable post-secondary trade school called Williamson College of the Trades, located 20 miles outside Philadelphia. The school, enrolling around 300 students, all low-income boys, provides a debt-free path to good jobs for kids who don't want to go the traditional four-year university route. Though it's a small institution, a number of Williamson's alumni have graduated into the big time from modest beginnings. Kay Heimowitz had the opportunity to visit the school earlier this year, and she was impressed with the students, to say the least. You can find the full essay, Trading Up, on our website, and we'll link to it in the description. That's it for the introduction. We'll take a quick break and be back with Kay Heimowitz. Hello again, everyone. This is Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. Joining me in the studio is Kay Heimowitz. You can follow her on Twitter, at Kay Heimowitz. Kay's essay for the autumn issue of City Journal is called Trading Up, and it's about Pennsylvania's Williamson College of the Trades, which is not too far from Philadelphia. You can find the story in the magazine itself or on the City Journal website. Kay, thanks very much for joining us. My pleasure. Trade schools have long had a stigma around them, but Williamson College is a well-established trade school and a remarkably successful one. So maybe we can talk first just about the basics of the school. What kind of students go there? How much does it cost? What the academic outcomes look like? What kind of jobs the students get? Uh, So let's let's start with that just to introduce uh, listeners to this very unique institution. Yeah. So uh, the Williamson Williamson College of the Trades has been around since 1888, if we can imagine. Um, and it looks when you when you go there, it looks more like a um, an Ivy League school. It's it's got uh, beautifully um, uh, maintained old Victorian buildings, and it was set up to deal with, to try to educate what the founder Isaiah Williamson called, or people at the time called, uh, corner boys, and that was a young man or late adolescents who were hanging around the streets. They were, a lot of them were orphans. Uh, and uh, he wanted to give them a trade, something that they could do pr- that would give them productive work and make them uh, productive members of society. And, and it was quite successful. And it remains that way today. We don't call the boys that are uh, at Williamson, uh, Williamson Corner boys, and most of them are not orphans, but they do tend to come from uh, pretty depressed homes, uh, low income, obviously, because this is a, a scholarship school. That is, everybody is there getting room and board, by the way, for free, um, which is just an enormous boon to to a young person like that. Uh, and they um, study... Uh, one of six trades. Uh, let's see if I can remember all of them. It's masonry, um, machine, machine trades. Uh, there's power, uh, the power um, 
plant, which is where the uh, students actually learn how, actually learn to handle a power plant by man- managing the power plant on the campus. Wow. Uh, there's um, horticulture and uh, painting, and which involves much more than painting, plastering, and, and all of that so, sort of so thing. So sort of housework. Yeah, kind of yeah. I'm leaving one out, but maybe it'll come to me. But all very practical. Uh, extremely practical and still very useful and necessary in this, even in this very advanced economy. And one of the things I was struck by when I went to um, Williamson was that um, with all the talk about technology and automation and AI and all of that, um, these were, for the most part, uh, uh, occupations that are still going to be needed, uh, even if not to the same extent, even if there are lots of new machines helping uh, helping these people who are working in these trades, and that they're very satisfying to the young men, and and I we can talk about the fact that this is an all boys school, um, and it's a, th- a three year institution. It's a three year institution, uh, anyway, extremely satisfying, and what the school really self consciously tries to instill in these boys is a sense that they are not losers because these were always the back row boys the the, the ones, kids in other words who aren't really interested in going to a four year college or not right. suited that's to go right. to a four year right and college. they you know were not that interested in book learning uh, they had to graduate high school, obviously, to, to get into the school. But they they didn't see themselves in the in a college uh, environment. Um, they uh, found out about Williamson through various means, uh, uh, mostly word of mouth. They school does not have enough money to do a tremendous amount of outreach. Um, but so, they, so most of the kids are from Pennsylvania. Most of them are from the Philadelphia area. There are some from Baltimore, um, and uh, well, and, most of them, yes, most of them from Philadelphia area, the broader metropolitan area. And like I said, it's three years. Um, and the reason they want to make it three years because most trade schools and most associates degrees in general are two years. But uh, Isaiah Williamson the, had a vision of what he was going to do for his students was that went beyond just the trade, just the technical abilities that the school teaches, but also to try to encourage a, a set of character qualities that would allow them to really succeed. And a lot of these kids uh, from Williamson, they don't just go on to become bricklayers. They go on to make their own companies. Uh, and there are amazing success stories of people who become CEOs of major energy companies and, and the like. So so, so what um, – we'll, we'll get to that. It's extremely interesting. What um, is the rough percentage of students who do graduate – and how many of them get jobs? So 74% of the students graduate. Now compare that to what happens to low-income kids who go to college. Uh, it's much, much lower. Right. And even uh, it's f- quite a bit lower for uh, people who go to in, on to regular associate's uh, degrees. So um, it's, uh, uh, you know, they do extremely well. They... Seventy-four percent of them graduate, and ninety-eight percent of those graduates go immediately to a job, uh, and they have 
over the three years they've been there, they've had opportunities to do internships. The, the uh, teachers and uh, administrators school are quite well connected, um, and people need these workers. Yeah. So and, and some of the the successful, really successful kids who go on to have their own companies or work in in uh, uh, higher levels at, at different kinds of companies, uh, they've come back to the school. You mentioned they they do the uh, alumni out. stay very very involved. I know that uh, they with, with fundraising and with fundraising. Like. You know, and those who do very well tend to be very active. Um, one of the uh, one of the head of the board actually, Bill Bronnenberger, told me that he actually went on a, tri- a service trip because these kids do a lot of service work. Uh, a service trip to, I think it was the Dominican Republic in his case. They, uh, a bunch of kids, probably about 10 or 12 kids, are sent every year to a place that, that's been damaged either by an earthquake or a, or a hurricane, and they go and they do service work there. And some of the donors go, too. It's, it's, uh, it's the spirit of the place. Well, speaking of that, Williamson has uh, what you might call an old-fashioned very old-fashioned approach to discipline, and that goes well beyond requiring the students to wear suits and ties or suit jackets and ties outside of shop class or whatever uh, practical study they're they're involved with. But when they're in classrooms, they do have to dress up. But talk a bit about the discipline approach to the to the yeah. students and the, the whole school environment. Yeah. Um, I, I think an outsider in this, uh, to this day and age coming to Williamson would think they were in a, you know, some kind of military environment in some ways. Uh, the kids are up early. They get up to Reveille. Uh, they raise an, an American flag and a Williamson flag in the courtyard, and then they all go to uh, chapel and then breakfast. And... Um, the uh, chapel is non-denominational, though there, uh, you know, there it is. The school does um, openly support the idea that faith is a very useful mm-hmm. or an important part of a good man's life, um, and they uh, then um, have a have a routine, and they're they're very busy from 7 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night when they are due back in their rooms in the dorms. Uh, they are, uh, as you say, always in uh, sh- uh, uh, jackets and ties, uh, except when they're actually in shop, uh, when they can, then they can dress more uh, like a, a working guy. Um, and they uh, are also expected to have a certain kind of bearing. I mean, what I, you know, in addition to all of the um, uh, shop that they, and, and shop-related courses they take, they also take speech, which I found very interesting mm. because the students speak very well. And every kid I met shakes your hands, look you, looks you straight in the eye, describes the program very well, they exude a kind of confidence, and that is quite deliberately instilled in these boys by the school. They, it's not, uh, it's not bragging kind of confidence. It's just a self assurance that they have a skill, uh, they know how to do it, and they know where they're going. 
and they're confident, uh, uh, based on these numbers that I mentioned earlier, uh, that they will find uh, find a career and be a functioning, productive person in this economy, and that they will they have a a, a mission, a vision of their lives that I think a lot of kids coming from their surroundings do not have. Well, you, you talk to a number of students, and uh, you, know, you think about social media and uh, the, the kind of uh, r- reality that the, the students of Williamson might be able to look at it going on on other campuses where kids are getting drunk and yeah. partying all the time. And uh, what, what is their view of that? Because the school is, Williamson is pretty strict on things like drinking. And yes, I should have mentioned that. Exactly. Yes, you, you absolutely cannot drink on campus and um, because you have to be there from all day long, except weekends, uh, that means that you're not drinking. Uh, you're really not. And, and of course, marijuana is also prohibited. Um, the, uh, you know, I, I think a lot, it, you know, this is a self-selected group. Now, there's, I think there are some young men who, take, who hear this and say, forget about it. And indeed, the guys at uh, Williamson now, these day, in the days of social media, uh, go online and see pictures of their friends with beer, right. beer glasses uh, raised high, having a ball, what looks like a ball. Uh, and it's tough. It, you know, it really takes a certain kind of kid with a, a self-determined, very self-determined, um, very, very um, uh, deliberate and conscientious. So I don't want to tell you that this would work for everybody, although they do get some kids from extremely poor, uh, poverty-stricken. And, and, and are uh, these kids... Uh, um Minority kids, or are they mostly so white uh, Pennsylvania They're mostly kids? white. It's 30% minority. Um, uh, I, I spoke to a few minority kids. Uh, again, I found the kids that I met and got to talk to for any length of time uh, showed a certain kind of clarity about themselves um, that I think is not for every kid. On the other hand, uh, they, I tell the story of one kid who was homeless, uh, a, a um, Hispanic kid who was homeless was living on the streets for a little while and in various foster homes and uh, somehow made his way to to uh, Williamson. He's doing great. He, he, he has a gift for carpentry uh, and he is working for a construction company in Philadelphia and making a good salary. That uh, raises the question, you know, uh, I mentioned earlier that trade schools have a kind of stigma about them. Yes. So maybe address that a little bit. Why do they have a stigma? And uh, as a second part of that question, could Williamson be a model that would be replicated elsewhere and maybe start removing that stigma? Yeah. Well, the stigma, I think, has been uh, grown more and more over the decades as we've put much more emphasis on College, the on college going. Four year yeah, year. and remember, the government has uh, gotten behind the f- uh, college for everyone mm-hmm. uh, idea. Um, I think that was a, a bad idea from the beginning. Um, there are kids who really are just not cut out for college, and it had the effect of making all of those kids feel like losers. And to imagine there was nothing there for them, and to feel looked down on. 
uh, uh, that is a huge issue for these kids. As I said, uh, you know, uh, some people call them the the back row kids who just uh, had found nothing to mm-hmm. to stir them. Uh, so I think um, not. You know, I'm not sure about uh, what we should be doing in high school in terms of vocational education, but I know these. We can do trade schools that deserve a great deal more respect uh, and in which the kids can feel not only good about themselves, but really find a good life. Have a, have a sense of uh, the future exactly. and possibilities. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I think that a lot of their classmates or kids who are like them um, are uh, going on to minimum wage jobs or or barely above that, and mm-hmm. in very uncertain situations. And sometimes with debt, they can't uh, pay back. Well, and, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, yes, that is such an important issue here. I can't tell you. When the kids see the pictures from Penn State of their friends at frat parties and the like, uh, they, that's one of the things they tell themselves. I won't have any debt. <laughs> well, and their friends are extremely jealous of that. Yes. Well, thanks, Kate. Don't forget to check out Kay's essay. It's in the latest City Journal. The piece is called Trading Up, about Williamson College of the Trades uh, in uh, just outside of Philadelphia. How, how far is it from Philly? It's about 20 miles 20 outside miles. of Philly uh, in, in the uh, area called Media, uh, which is a kind of working-class area that's also got some, some farmland, actually. Well, you can find this essay on our website. It's in our latest issue. We'll link to it in the description. And you can follow Kay, as I mentioned earlier, on Twitter, at Kay Heimwich. She's a regular tweeter. Uh, You can also find City Journal on Twitter, at City Journal. And you can email us at podcast at city-journal.org. And always, if you've liked what you've heard on the podcast, please give us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and thanks, Kay, very much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the weekly 10 Blocks podcast featuring urban policy and cultural commentary with City Journal editors, contributors, and special guests.